What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Certified Wrench Podcast. I'm your host, Colton McCormack. Sorry for my voice. I do apologize. The plague has hit my house and everybody's been sick. I'm so glad that the kid went back to school and now is bringing home viruses every four calendar days. Uh, It's been kind of bad. I got sent home Thursday early and was told to take the day off Friday. Took some COVID tests. Negative, of course, thank God. uh, Because I don't want to go through that bullshit again. Anyway, I hopped on FaceTime with this guy uh, last week and we went ahead and put together the short little episode. Um, I really wanted to get his take on um, being new, newer to the industry and kind of hopping around, but he's kind of been around machines and stuff his whole life. Um, yeah, he's been waiting a while to come on and I'm trying to get some of them older <laughs> questionnaires taken care of. So we went ahead and put this episode together. And like I said, it's kind of shorter, but uh, sometimes we need that. Anyway, let's jump to it. Enjoy the episode. So, man, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, and then let's talk about where you started and what you're doing now. All right. I'm Tyler Buckner. Uh, so I started out when I was in high school. Yeah, high school. I was working with around the farm, um, welding stuff, uh, working on different pieces of equipment. Uh, start really started out when I was a kid. I tore a pile of toys apart, and I was never one to put them back together until I got a little bit older. So through high school, I had my dreams of being a mechanical engineer, which by senior year, I decided that I wasn't smart enough for school and decided to go the mechanic route. Uh, so we... So I went to a little school in Wisconsin called Fox Valley Tech for egg power, which I learned it was basically on farm equipment, uh, engines, transmissions, final drives, electrical systems, hydraulic systems, and just your general knowledge on that side of it. We didn't really. So is egg power, you're talking about the John Deere dealer? Or no, this school? wasn't a, this wasn't a, this is like all around. They sold, or they had Case IH equipment. They had John Deere's, hmm. Kubota's. They had a general idea. Okay, I got uh, you. Or, which, it made it nice because there was, there was guys that were in from, that worked on fence and cloths, choppers, um, John Deere, kind of all around. So that it kind of gave a general idea across the boards. So while I was going through that, I started my career at a, a Case IH dealer learned, and started out at the bottom, washing equipment, making sure every, or washing equipment, detailing it, um, did minor services, uh, and then worked with some of the older techs to, to kind of get some of the knowledge that I could from them. Um, and then they actually paid for my schooling to go through. The uh, only thing is, is after school, I had to pay it, or I had a contract to sign that I had to stay two years, or I had to pay back. I think it was like half of what I, half of what they gave. So I went through that, 
uh, was there for from 2014 through through uh, January of 2020, or no, March of 2020, because I was leaving the same time as our this wonderful flu that came through mm. started. So that the was a spicy, fun job, fun the, the spicy cough, yeah, spicy cough, <laughs> yeah, spicy cough. Um, so after that, I took a job that was closer to home. It was about a five minute job compared or five minutes away compared to, I think 35 minutes at the time I was driving, um, working at a food production company, which we weren't the job that I took wasn't with the canning side of it. We were more of the field, like taking crops off, which we were with the green bean harvest. So if you really want to see an interesting machine, go look up the green bean har- Oxbow green bean harvesters. They're, they run nine liter John Deere's in them. Um, and so, they, Oh, so you were working on the actual machine harvesting side. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I used to work on the tomato harvesters in California. Nasty fucking machines. Oh, yeah. Oof. Well, it's hard to believe how many hours they run through them in yeah. four months. Um, so we did that in the wintertime. And then during the summer, we actually ran the crews that did the harvesting. So we were taking care of the machinery. We were taking care of the trucks coming in and out, the operators, which... You can understand knowing operators how that can go sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was there for about a year, and we made a change. Uh, we moved back to my wife's family farm, and I started at a Case IH dealer, which also sold Fent and Massey. And uh, at the end there, they were selling construction equipment. So I kind of, or so I had a general. General between anything from small tractors up to combines, uh, attachments. uh, And then at the end, before I left there, I was working on the, they sold Hyundai construction equipment. Oh, Oh. Oh. I gotcha. So what are you doing now? Uh, Now I'm working at a, case dealership working on case construction and working with uh working on anything between mini excavators dozers uh wheel loaders backhoes and within the last few weeks we've had a couple companies call us to get tear down machines for transport mm. like last week last week i was working on a it was a tiger 590 i think it was which was comparable to a 990 Series 2 cat wheel loader, mm-hmm. which is far larger than anything that Case sells. Yeah. So, so uh, no pressure or nothing, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you are the first Case technician on the podcast besides me, which I didn't even talk about because it was such a short stint. But I worked on the ag side of Case for a little while. Yep. But yeah, you're the, I believe, the first guy. So don't let nobody down. I'm just kidding. Try not to. <laughs> cool. And, uh, so, yeah. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nope. You go ahead. I was just, uh, so you're a field tech for them. And how long you been there? Uh, going on, it'll be six months coming up this week. Okay. And so it hasn't been very long. 
How's that so far? How are you, how are you liking that compared to the other stuff? I'm liking it. Uh, the dealer, the mentality and morality is a lot higher, I feel, which I'm not trying to knock the other dealers, but <laughs> it's just, it seems like morality and everybody's there to help each other. Yeah. So I, uh, I question right off the bat, um, cause it sounded like when you were working at the other places, you kind of worked on a, a little bit of everything. Uh, how is it just working on one type of machine, one brand? <laughs> it's interesting, which I can, un- which you probably understand with your John Deere's going crossing over between Hitachi and Deere because they're the same machine. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of our machines that are crossover machines with like link belts. Mm-hmm. And I've found some of the manuals are not very, they don't help the greatest, but you can get, for the most part, a lot of the information's pretty well to work with. So and the, the, the case dealer here also is a Hitachi dealer here in North Texas. And, uh, I was telling the guys that I was with last night that they've come up with a new, a new sales strategy, which I think is brilliant because, you know, obviously we know that John Deere and Hitachi divorced a few years ago and now John Deere's on their own. But, uh, this company came up with this flyer and it says orange is the new yellow. And I thought that was just amazing advertising. And I'm like, hey, boss, maybe we should uh, give him a shot. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought it, I thought, I thought that that's amazing. Like, they they win me over on that just because it's a super cool flyer. And, you know, it shows Hitachi machines and it just says orange is the new or yellows, whatever. You know what I mean? Orange is the new yellow. <laughs> and yep. uh, I thought that was pretty awesome anyway enough about that uh so i mean i guess we'll get right into it man that was a you know you've you have you've been i would you consider yourself still kind of green you know i what do you got about five and a half six years in nowadays yeah i think total sad i'll be on nine years like just from starting out all the way through is about nine years now but yeah, I still feel like I'm a green person. I always want to learn. <laughs> not 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 John Deere green, but you know, green fresh. I I'm always one willing to learn. It, usually they'll if we got stuff oddball stuff, I'll they'll send me out on it because I'm always one to be eager to learn. So you went to we'll just call it college, quote unquote quote for the stuff. Uh, how often are you using that knowledge from that for your diagnostics and all that good stuff? The, the diagnostic knowledge I learned from that is it was it's pretty much everyday use. Yeah. It, a lot of the stuff we did there was machine bugged, so we were working with machines that had issues. Um, hydraulic wise, is the same thing. We always it was all the issues that they put in them were stuff that we could actually be recreated out in the field or that were recreated from field issues. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we're using a test bench that was, oh, you got a valve that shut off, or something to be able to, or a, a wire that's unplugged underneath to be able to cause an open. Mm-hmm. It was actually hands-on. Here's a tractor out in the field that's got this issue. Go fix it. <laughs> so, uh, I don't want to say the name of the food company you worked for, but. 
I know back when I was working on food machines, like tomato harvesters or sunflower seed harvesters, did you have to take, were they like super crazy about certain things you did to the machines? I know they were back in California, especially like the sunflower seed harvesters because they had a big contract with David sunflower seeds or whatever. And certain repairs that they had to have somebody there like monitoring and all this stuff so you wouldn't contaminate the machine and all this crap. Did they kind of go with all that when you worked at the food place? No, we were pretty well did what we could. If we had a big repair, we did out in the field. It wasn't, there wasn't really any stipulations because when they went back to the plant, they got full wash, then they got cut and then they got went through and got canned and, pressure or they got cooked Mm, Uh, i know in the factory they had all their food grade um stuff they had to use but we weren't as critical out in the field which a lot of our stuff was just belt um rubber belts Mm -hmm. and that was fairly amount it on that part of it lovely yeah i don't i don't i don't miss i really don't miss the agriculture side of the industry to be honest with you at all but sometimes i do sometimes i miss the people but that's about it yeah i there's days when i gotta work on stuff at home that i know that it's like <laughs> i'm glad i'm gone from there well we're, well we won't even talk about working on stuff at home but uh, you mean like personal vehicles or like hometown our like farm equipment at oh home. duh Look. i forgot about the farm equipment let's talk about that what What's a, that? I said, well, let's talk about the farm side of your life a little bit. All right. What? A, yeah, so we have uh, roughly 30 draft horses right now. Um, we raise them up from babies all the way up to – sometimes we'll sell them, sometimes they never leave the farm. Hmm. Uh, and then we have a few riding horses. Um and then we go, and then we have about 50 head of beef cattle. So when you and, were saying farming, I thought you were talking about, like, you plow the ground, plant some seeds, and harvest it. I didn't realize you were in the livestock industry. <laughs> well, that's part of it, too. I mean, we still have, we still have a, a few acres. We're no, we're no big farm by no means, but I still think we have, I think we have about, well, we're under a hundred acres of cash crop, but we still still go through and work ground, plant everything, I and then you. the dreaded hay season. Oh, <laughs> that's not that bad. Come on. So, uh, what actually kind of I I don't I can't remember if you actually delve into it, delve into it, dove into it when you were, you know, talking about getting into the industry. But what actually sparked? The interest was it like the life farming life like oh, i gotta learn all this stuff or did it actually spark an interest in learning everything and working in it full time well i was when i was a kid whenever we went to one of the bigger towns we had to go past dealer tractor dealers and i always was one to point i from what i've been told i was always one to be able to point out where every piece of equipment was on the way from where we had from to back or to where we had to go and it was a lot of that had to do with it 
and growing up, I had a lot of family in the carpentry industry. Uh, I mean, they kind of, there was times where they tried to push for that or like a mill right, which is working in paper fact or working on machinery that's under, I think a lot of like paper fact, paper mills and other odds and end things. But I think more or less with working on the farm kind of pushed me more to wanting to work on that. Um, just that it was always something that I was had interest in. I didn't have interest working on cars. I didn't have interest working on semis, which I'll work on them once in a while, but that's not, I'll stick as far away as I can if I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quick, quick test. Favorite piece of yep. the machinery. Please say favorite? John, John Deere. John Deere. I'm just kidding. <laughs> favorite type of machine. Favorite brand, I should say. Favorite brand we read every day, all day. Really? Um, yeah. I we grew. I grew up with internationals, so that kind of persuaded a little bit of Alice Chalmers, which you don't hear much about yeah. since they went. But, but yeah, it's internationals. My way to go. But we, I'm. On the farm here, we run a we run Deutzes, so I mean, kind of have a little bit of preference on that now, but I'd stay. I'll still stick with my red. <laughs> I gotcha. I I thought you were talking about the other red machine, but uh, I like International. Yeah, that I. I don't know. I don't know. I digress. <laughs> um. I just had a question for you, and I completely brain farted on it. Oh, uh, so in your questionnaire here, you got uh, mentoring new hires. Yep. What exactly are you wanting to talk about with that? What's your input on this? So back when I was at the my first case dealer, I was always the one they had um, helping with the new guys, the younger guys, to be able to explain to them kind of show them the basics to be able to go through since because i was just went through this program plus i had the attitude that some other mechanics didn't which i mean you never see that in a shop having grumpy mechanics but (laughs) (laughs) but they always um they always had me like go through with them be able to teach them what i the knowledge i was able to get from some of the older guys i could at least start passing down and I just always, I'd like to see younger people get into it. Cause I know there's a lot of older generation that'll be starting to filter out here in the next few years or within the next 10, 15 years. And you always got to have, be able to get the new guys going. So do you think it's tougher Finding new people, or is it tougher actually hanging on to them? <laughs> to be honest, I think it, it, it's kind of on both sides of it. I mean, the way if you got good people, they got you got to treat them right. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you'll, you'll start seeing them leave. But on the other hand, too, you're seeing a lot of these, they're pushing so much of college and high school that they're not, there's kids out there that don't even know that there's, programs like the egg programs or diesel programs and they're always trying to push for that college to get that four-year degree yeah i uh obviously you know everybody's having a hard time finding folks but 
I'm also starting to see it lately. It's hard to keep them because they get a little bit of knowledge and experience under their belt and they want to go somewhere else because they're paying a little more. It just drives me bananas. But I, it's, it's, uh, at this point, this subject, you know, of, you know, trying to get new younger folks in, don't, don't go to college, go be a mechanic, but go to college, be a mechanic if you want. Uh, it's starting to sound like a broken record on this podcast. I don't know how you feel about it, but, I, you know, sometimes I don't talk about it. Sometimes we do. And uh, I don't know how long we talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a hard one right now. I, I mean, look, you got just seeing we're in like more like a farming area. Mm -hmm. So I, and not it, I mean, we see construction, but it isn't like, it's not like West tech or Texas down by you guys that it's got construction going all the time. We're not, we're a lot different geographic area. And we, um, it's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of the, a lot of, people pushing for that college thing which I think that I think these trade schools and even dealers if they're looking for people they should start looking a little more at the high school level so mm, yeah no I, I definitely agree um, I wish we could bring it back in the high school you know bring automotive class back all that good stuff but I wonder how much of like, you know, because everything's becoming so digital in the world, you know, uh, you got to have a computer to diagnose pretty much everything on a machine now. I wonder how much that actually scares the younger folks, you know, even though computers are a big thing now, they know them, but like trying to learn all of the stuff, you know, wiring harnesses, computers or controllers, SCR systems, all this good stuff. I wonder how much of that is actually like pushing them back, you know, from wanting to learn. Yeah, it's hard to say. I know when I, don't get me wrong, when I started out, all our stuff had was pre-1980s, so I didn't have, <laughs> never seen much of the <laughs> emissions or even the fancy, well, not really fancy, but like your power shift transmissions and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't, I mean, that was a big jump for me to learn all that, but you would think nowadays you would think more kids would be interested in doing electronic stuff, being able to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, my kids all, all into gaming and coding and all that good shit. And he's like, I don't want to be a mechanic. I want to be an electrician, which is fine. I mean, that's good money too, but no, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I don't really know, man. I don't know what the next step would be to, to like get to go out and try to push this thing. I mean, do you go to schools and waste your breath or have a convention? I don't know. Maybe that's what everybody on this podcast that listens, uh, you know, if they have input, maybe who knows? Well, uh, I guess we could jump to the next subject here. Um, this one's probably going to be a quick episode, man. We're blowing right through this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Gotta ask. I ask everybody on this podcast nowadays, do you drink the red Kool-Aid? I am not a full-on red Kool-Aid drinker. Uh, I, I do have some red that is um, the Mac, mm-hmm. but it's still DeWalt. Yeah. Uh, all, I, all my small stuff for my electric ratchets and uh, lights and die grinders are all M12 because they don't. DeWalt doesn't have anything out like that. I'm almost been. Go ahead. Almost been debating. On, almost been debating on switching. Because, I mean, there's a couple things that would be nice to have that they um, DeWalt doesn't make, but I just don't know if I can invest that financial burden to switch a couple thousand dollars worth of tools out when I got almost two of everything of the others. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time this episode actually airs, I will be almost fully switched over to the red Kool-Aid side. Sorry to disappoint you if I have. <laughs> so what made you switch? Um to in all honesty, my Snap-on dealer. Um you know, I I told the story. So we're kind of re- I'm doing a couple of recordings this weekend. Um so it's going to kind of all mix together on my stories here, but I was explaining to the other guys last night that um I had a three eighths rocker switch snap on gun, you know, the little guy and, uh, had a magnet on the battery. Well, I left that some bitch up underneath of an excavator. And, uh, so I'm like, well, do I want to buy another one or do I want to switch over to the Milwaukee? Cause I really like the little Milwaukee 12 M12. And well, I'm like, well, then I'm going to have a, another damn charger, you know? So, and then my buddy, he sold me on the, uh I always forget what it's called. It's like an angle impact. Looks like a, a ratchet, but it's an impact. Um, he sold me on that, so I was like, "Well, I got to get that too." So I talked to my wife about it, and uh, I ended up finding a whole combo kit through Home Depot, and got everything I needed to change everything out. And I'm just going to turn around and sell my Snap-on stuff because I don't want to deal with my Snap-on guy no more because he's a pile of shit. Unfortunate, huh? So. Yeah, I feel like you always got one dealer that is like that, though. Well, he's such a good guy, but man, he just he don't show up. He demands money after not showing up for three weeks, or charges my card without my permission. So I'm kind of I'm just done with it. I don't want to do business with him anymore, and it sucks because I've spent so much money with him. So I'm just gonna go ahead and eBay all of my current Snap-on stuff because I don't want it. Or I might keep it. I don't know yet. But I'm converting my truck over to Milwaukee. Kool-Aid. <laughs> so, no, I, I have DeWalt as well. All my stuff is... I have a half-inch gun. I have a three-eighths gun. I have I have the 12-volt drill and the 20-volt. Are they 20-volt or 18-volt? What is DeWalt? I don't even remember now. Uh, DeWalt's 20 20, yeah, and I have a 20-volt drill, which is the bigger anvil, and uh, I think that's it. But, yeah, I'm converting, getting rid of everything. Sad. 
Because I, I, I stuck behind Dewalt, you know, and it's still good stuff, but I don't use it that much anymore. No. Anyway. So, any, so I got it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. I got a tool question, which isn't a tool question. It's a tool <laughs> dealer question. Okay. So what would your preferable brand would be on tools anymore? That's a tough one, man, because I don't really buy tools anymore. <clears throat> um. I really, I, I became good friends with the Mac dealer here and, uh, but he doesn't go to where I'm working at now. He, he was, he came to the deer dealer when I worked there and I really liked buying stuff from him because I always paid my bill on time and he would always work with me like, Hey, if you buy, you know, I'll, here's a gift for you type thing. And I, I really like mm-hmm. their products. I mean, some people don't like they're they're cheap. I've had good luck with their drill bits and stuff. I really like Mac. Um, it took me a long time to work with Snap On again, and I'm kind of disappointed again. So I'd have to say Mac. I've I've had what's the blue uh, cornhole? I've had corn Cornwell Macco. What's the other stuff? Is there other stuff? Mac. Let's I've see. seen a, I know not around here, but I know there's been a gear wrench truck oh, around at some point. That's the next thing. So I buy gear wrench stuff, but I get it through like Scamazon. I don't buy it off of any trucks or anything. Harbor Freight. Yeah, that's about, yeah, that's about where I'm at too. It's, you can't, you never see a tool truck because he's always there when you're gone. And yep. at least Amazon, when you order it, it'll sit, it'll be at your doorstep within the next day or two. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like Amazon. I mean, good deals, you know, they sell quality stuff, except for I won't buy Milwaukee and stuff from there. But I don't know, man. Yeah. What's your what's your actual I mean, do you run any like snap on or anything like that? Any guns or uh I just I got a Mako impact that I or half inch impact air gun that I bought. Back when I started out, but other than that, really all my stuff's either has pretty much been DeWalt on that side of it. So I don't. So Matco is actually don't isn't there air guns just Ingersoll Rand guns? Yeah, it's I think so. Red red yeah, color with the silver. Is it red? Yeah, like a maroon. It's maroon. I think. Yeah, I have a half inch like that too from them. Interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no worries. Anyway, um, hang on. So, do uh, you got any like uh, any interesting stories, like fuck ups, people getting hurt, or you getting hurt, or you know, falling down on your ass, or anything fun? No. Uh, <laughs> I got I got one fuck up story that I. Um, I rebuilt a engine on a, a case tractor. It was about a, I think 130 horse and got through everything. Everything looked good. I put it on the dyno to seat the seat everything. And I dynoed it a little too fast than I should have. And shit out. Um, number six went, was not very happy when it came off. Um, scored up the cylinder pretty bad just got too hot too fast and 
just pretty much locked up on it. So is this a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like inexperienced mistake or just not thinking like it was a l- more of an inexperienced thing. Uh, just a re um, didn't get to do very many rebuilds. I did a lot of head jobs. It wasn't, but rebuilds weren't really, we were always doing reman engines mm. and this was an old enough machine that they didn't have remands available. So you just did the rebuild on it and they weren't very happy with it, but I mean, we got everything fixed and got it going for the guy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I imagine you, had, you you were supposed to maybe put it through a, like a break in it period or something and you didn't do that or what what caused the failures yeah so you're supposed to heat it up and run it at different set speeds to get it to um get it through its heat cycle and i missed a couple steps and just went down and loaded it down and number six is farthest away from the coolant pat or coolant flow so it just got too hot too fast mm. tisk tisk i'm gonna finger wave yeah. you <laughs> i got you yeah well i learned i learned from it i was i know i was pretty nervous when it ha- after it happened just i mean worried about losing a job or something but most they were they were they were upset about it but we got through it, it wasn't as big of a deal as i figured thought it was which i I like to take pride in my work. I always, I'm never one. The I hate when I see comebacks or reworks. It's just always makes it makes you feel that something thing, or makes you wonder what happened. And I always like to be able to do my best all the time and be able to. If it's something I did fuck up, then I'll just I'll take credit for it and fix it the next time. For Which sure. I know there's I've I've worked with people that don't. Deal with, don't like doing that, but I was always I always like to take care of what I did. So I know you were saying something about like a close call. What a what was that? So we were um, I was helping one of my buddies uh, chain. He had a tractor that came out of Florida, so it, the tires were set narrow, or they're set wide, but the inside or the outside dual was was able to be dished around so he wanted a little bit narrower for baling hay so we ended up pulling outside dual off and flipped the rim on the inside well go to flip the rim had it on a nice little bottle jack and we got a skid steer working or we had a skid steer moving the tire and well skid steer bumped that and damn near came down on us <laughs> the whole track almost did i think the hitch on the mix feed mixer helped us on that one Oh, sweet. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's always sketch. I like watching these videos of these dumbasses, like, down in, you know, pipe trenches and stuff, and there's no shoring or anything, and some of them are lucky, some of them are, aren't, or, like, some of these videos, you know, you see these guys, and there's tires up or something, and it's like, okay, so something's going to happen. Obviously, they wouldn't be sharing it, and the tire falls on the guy or Oh, there's, right. there's a lot of airheads out there. Sorry, no yeah. offense. <laughs> no, I we were trying to get it done for them, and thought our little twenty ton air or twenty ton bottle jack was enough, but we must have just hit it enough to knock it off. Yeah, 
it happens, man. Shit happens all the time. Yeah. Um, just got to be safe out there. Yeah. So I know you wanted to talk about field tech versus shop. I'd really like to know your opinion on that. So before, so I started, when I started out at my first dealer, I was, I was in the shop and right after everything got graduated college, they ended up, I ended up going in the truck, which I was all fine. Cause at that time I was, is about half and half, half in the shop, half on the road. Um, but when I switched at the end, before I left, I wanted to go back in the shop because at that time we we're, we we're expecting our first child and sometimes road guys, you never, you could be predictable on time wise to get home, which our baby didn't show up until after I left. So, <laughs> but, and once I went to the next dealer, I was like, I want to stay in the shop. I want to be home. At least I know what time I'll be home every night. Um, pretty much a set schedule. But then the other side of it is you have to, you have people, which like I said before, I'm not trying to just the dealer, but you have people in there that have the positive attitude was not there. Mm. So there's always one that you almost dreaded the going to work because you had to deal with the people. And after that, we, right before the end, when I took on their construction side, I went back in a truck and that was about 25, 75 at the time, 25 on the road. Cause they were just starting out with the dealer or mm. with the brand. So it wasn't super busy yet, but still having the mentality or having the attitude. And it's just, I mean, half of that's half the battle is having dealing. If you have a shitty, um, shitty work environment not saying it was that not company wise wasn't it's just the attitude of people it just makes you not want to work there yeah that's what i was gonna that's i was gonna ask you is there a different mentality in the shop versus field at your company or old company even that you noticed yeah i noticed that i mean the shop guys do have their mental or their um mentality um of I think it just seems like you get a little grumpy doing the same thing every day in the same place, but that's just my opinion. Um, on the road, not knowing where you're going from. Well, I mean, you have we kind of have a set schedule at least week to week, mm-hmm. but sometimes that can get changed around, which is you never know where you're going to end up. So that always makes it interesting. Yeah, I. I don't get to experience it anymore because where I'm at is we're shop techs and field techs, which I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't spend much time in the shop as much as the other guys. But I know when I was at the dealer, I've, I've, I've expressed it on here before, you know, it's, it's a completely different mentality at the shop versus the field techs. And it was almost like we weren't allowed as field techs. Like if they had a barbecue or, anything like that, we'd get the stink eye, like, how dare you come eat our food? You know, it's like, fuck you, bitch. I send you the work. I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's always a fun thing, too, is you hear, I mean, you always hear from people and how people in the shop complain about having the jobs come in off the road. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had seen that too much or not, but yeah, I, I did back in the day because there were certain things that we could not fix in the field because either it was cheaper for the customer to send it into the shop, or we obviously didn't have the time to do whatever it was. Um, that being said, it was you know probably a big job, you know, engine, transmission, something of that matter. Um, right. What else? You know, I'm I'm trying to think of like what else I've sent machines in for. You know, um, I, I I remember doing finals out in the field. You know, on like a loader or something. So I can't say too much. Yeah. Um, if we had to send it in, it was something that was you know super important or time consuming or something of that matter. I don't know. It's a uh, it's a lot different where I work now. You know, I work for a small company and. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say anything without hurting people's feelings because you know people are sensitive. Whether I work with them or used to work with them, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, what? Uh, I'm trying to think here. What kind of what kind of qualities? Because you've kind of you've worked in a few different places. Whether you know it's working on multiple pieces of equipment or obviously working on one brand. Like you're doing now, I think, right? No, you're working on a couple of brands, correct? Yeah, so we sell case construction, and then they sell JLG products as well. So Sky Tra- okay. Telehandlers, yeah. but most of the time, it's it's the construct case construction. What kind of like we'll just call it essential qualities do you think you know like a, a successful mechanic should possess? Possessed, possess beyond like technical skills, especially I guess being a field tech. Sorry, that I ruined all that question. I fucked it all up. What kind of <laughs> qualities do you think a mechanic should possess beyond technical skills? There we go. Well, you got to have a you got to if you're a road tech or field tech, you have to have people. You, you have to have people. Um, have communication skills mm-hmm. because sometimes you're that front line that's dealing with the customer directly. So you, sometimes you can't, you got to be able to be level headed because sometimes Mr. Customer ain't gonna, or Miss Customer isn't going to be very happy. So you're going to get the brunt of it. So you got to be able to keep level headed and be able to go through that. So you kind of do both the mechanic wrenching and you got to be the communication on it, service. Man, not. I mean, you gotta give your full approval up to your um, management, but still, you're gonna be you're the front line on that cust- with that customer at that point. You're you're the front front line and the middleman at the same time. Is the best way to put. It, I I think you know you. Yeah. Um, you got to be a salesman, a mechanic, and also the service manager at the same time. <laughs> what else do you think, though? before I give my full opinion. So you got to have your communication. Um, you got to kind of be mechanically Ill- illiterate anymore because there's a lot. It, back in the day, you could just give somebody a wrench and tell them what to do, but there's so much other technical or finicky things that you mess with anymore that you have to kind of know what you're doing so you don't fuck it up. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about 
uh, decision making out in the field, especially, um, you know, because you don't have somebody there to hold your hand all the time. 198% of the time, you don't have somebody there to hold your hand, especially working on customer machines, making decisions. I think this part's, I think this part's fucked up, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. And I really need to put this part on to see if I'm missing something here. Not necessarily shotgunning it, but I'm pretty fucking positive this is bad. Do you make that call or do you call somebody? You know, I, I, I've, I've got a lot of experience with guys that can't make that decision. Like, I know it's this part, but I'm afraid to throw it on there because people are going to think I'm shotgunning if it's not that part. So I tried my best to be able to give my best judgment on it. Um, I had one that was, um, it was a wheel loader that had a, oh, it was throwing death injection. What's that? Oh, I, was, I was looking at my phone thinking that Snapchat was for me, but it was you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had one that was, it was throwing death injector failure. So I went through, checked the death injector, which there were some machines back in tier four, a region that had leaky Jeff injectors on the outside, not internal. So I found that replaced it. And then it was still one, it wasn't functioning. So I ended up finding that it was in the controller issue. It was a controller issue. It wasn't sending out the right feedback, which on that point I was at because check the wiring, everything else. I kind of made the call that it needed in the pump, which on that was, yeah, it was a control. The controller and the pump are both as one. I don't know if deer ran that at that time on like four equipment or not, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's sometimes that, more technical stuff that I'll call back to my service manager, kind of bounce it off him, or I'll call my the other road guy and bounce off questions just to make sure. Yeah, it's always I mean, good it's, to have somebody to be able to call and, like, pick their brain. Like, I'm still buddies with a lot of the guys at the deer dealer, and, like, I've been called by them, which is crazy, but I, you know, I call and pick brains sometimes. Just good close buddies, though. I don't want mm-hmm. them. Get, I don't. I'm not going to name anybody or stores or anything because I don't want them getting in trouble for talking to the enemy. <laughs> Fuckers. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Go on. So yeah. So like, if it's a big ticket item, like I'll go over it with my boss or another guy before I go and say, "Hey, this is Mr. Customer. This is what's going on with it." Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's minor things, I'll just end up going through and doing it or at least talk to the customer first to make sure they're all right with just throwing that at it. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had a few over the years that have really thrown me for a loop and, um, you know, a controller be bad, but the machine not let me know that it's bad and throws a code every three months type thing. Um, Like, I just recently, I don't know if you listened to the bonus episode that I put out. Um, Everything in the deer manuals were pointing towards a controller, but it had a bad wiring harness. And it took somebody to actually come in and be like, let's just take a deep breath. Let's try this. 
and then we we overlaid the harness, which I've done a million times, but it just didn't cross my mind to do it. Overlaid it, fixed the issue. So <laughs> it just needed a harness. But it was I, I was so overwhelmed with trying to figure this thing out that I didn't use the basic knowledge that I've had for almost 20 years, you know. And I, I guess that's uh, that comes with the territory sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you always just overlook the basics. And I, I won't lie, I've done that before too. It's, um, but that, I, yeah, I've, I've done it too, which I'm not with it being still younger. It <laughs> happens, man. I, I will be the first to admit that that was definitely a humbling experience. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'll say that I'm super knowledgeable, especially when it comes to deer machines. And, uh, yeah, that definitely was a humbling thing, but there's also a, mm, I'm going to blame part of it on the deer side as well for not giving out enough information in their, in their manuals as far as how, not necessarily how the system works or anything like that, just kind of how that particular part works or how, what it takes to control it or what the spec's supposed to be on it, any of that stuff and whatever. I digress. Uh, we'll know for next time. Yep. So, yeah, I've had a few of that too. Well, man, it's been a, a quick almost hour already I'm glad we got you on um, you know we kind of been talking a little bit here and there trying to figure this thing out uh, yeah we'll definitely have to give it a little while and get you back on once you get you know a little bit you said six months in the in your dealer now yep yep let's get you down the line another year or so and maybe get you back on and see how things have changed because that's like one of my favorite things to do is catch up with people that have been on and how much changes within eight to 12 months in their career. Oh, great. Yep. So definitely got to have you back on and talk about that. But before we get off of here, uh, two questions for you. Uh, okay. If you could go back and change your career or how you were going to do things, what would you have actually done? Or is this what you were destined to do? I feel like I wouldn't, I don't think I would change anything because I'm not, I, I like what I do. I mean, the biggest thing was always uh, the pe- sometimes mentality or the attitudes of people that, for um, atmosphere, but mo- nine times out of 10, I'd still do the same job. Now. So I guess I have three questions. Uh, bouncing right. off of that, you went to, you know, machinery school or college would you have if you had to do it over again would you do it the same way or would you just jump right into working on machines and learning that way to be honest i think i'd still if i had the opportunity i'd probably would have jumped in and started learning on the job right away but on the other hand too it's always it's nice to have that piece of paper saying you got your degree yeah of course I've got a lot of certifications too, especially through John Deere and 
Yeah. I could tell a customer if I was still working, like, I've got the certification. Most of the time they're going to be like, I don't give a shit what you got. Just fix my machine. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> but no, nothing against you. I just, uh, I hear that sometimes. I'm like, they don't care. But, uh, and before we finish off, you know, you went to college, all that stuff. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to say, but do you have any type of advice for any new guy, you know, wanting to get into the, into this trade, get into wrenching, anything like that? I biggest thing is, is learn as much as you can from both the younger guys and the older guys, because you're going to get a lot of knowledge on the mechanical side from the older guys and some of the younger guys, you're going to get a lot more of the technical knowledge, learning about the controllers, electronics side, which is you're pushing more now than what you have in the last, let's say, there's a lot more difference I've seen in the last eight years that I've been working on equipment. So I'd re- learn as much as you can from your older people. How often are you uh, picking the older guys' brains? Right now, it it's a fair amount because coming from a different coming from the egg side, I mean the, the hydraulics. There's a lot of differences in between, so there's a lot more. There's a lot I need to learn on it. So I, if I got hard questions, I'll ask them about it and get as much knowledge as I can from it. Hell yeah, it's good, man. I mean, there's. There is a such thing as stupid questions, but when it comes to this type of stuff, there is no stupid questions. And, you know, there's been times, there's been times where I'll ask a question on how something works and they'll explain it to me perfect. I'm like, okay, I think I get it, but explain it again. (laughs) It's like talking to my wife, you know, she'll say something like I was, I was listening, but explain it again because I wasn't listening. And that's about the time she gets mad because she has to explain it again. Because <laughs> sometimes I have that too, which I think that's any guy in, in general has that same issue. That's man hearing <laughs> when it comes to significant others. But anyway, man, I, I appreciate you jumping on here and just kind of having this quick little chat with me. Um, yeah, you thanks know, for having me. It's always nice, you know, getting a new face on and different types of careers, you know, so... I guess we're going to end with that. We're going to get this thing released and boom, you know, <laughs> I'm, ter- right. I'm terrible at this, but <laughs> anyway, bud, uh, appreciate you coming and hanging out and give a, give a, everybody a shout out and share this thing and let everybody know where you were at. You know what I mean? All right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. I'll see ya. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the Certified Wrench Podcast. I do thank you guys for showing up, listening every weekend, and uh, showing your support. If you guys need to get a hold of me, Certified Wrench Podcast at gmail.com. Check out all the social media pages, you know, Certified Wrench Podcast. The Instagram Certified Wrench underscore podcast, though. Uh, if you guys are looking to donate to the podcast, everything helps. Uh, merch lines out there. The donations tab is all on the link tree. On all the social media pages, check out the website, certifiedwrenchpodcast.com. All the way down at the bottom is a contact form. 
And that is how you get in line to be on the show. Uh, I may not get you a, a questionnaire right away, but it will get to you, I promise. Um, got a lot of people approaching me about being on. Anyway, I'm out of here. We'll catch you guys next weekend.